Hey, this is Ed Robertson, and this is the Mountain and Prairie Podcast. If this is your first time listening, the purpose of the podcast is to introduce you to some of the innovative and creative individuals who are helping to shape the future of the American West. These are people I meet through my work as a Rocky Mountain Ranch broker and through my hobbies that revolve around spending as much time as possible up high in the mountains. I'll be chatting with ranchers and writers, conservationists and entrepreneurs, athletes and artists, pretty much anyone who does interesting work in the West and has a good story to tell. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone who's helped to spread the word about the podcast this week. Thanks for sharing it on social media and by email and by word of mouth. We had a really, really great response to the first two episodes. And to be honest, I was just glad and actually surprised that anybody other than my wife actually tuned in. I also really appreciate the five-star reviews that some of you have left on iTunes. The best one was definitely no question by somebody who goes by the codename Userific. Interesting choice of a name, but anyway, it was a five-star review, which was very generous of Userific. And the best part was that it was not so much about the podcast as it was a direct quote from the second best movie of all time, Roadhouse, starring Patrick Swayze. I have a few hunches as to who Userific actually is, but regardless, I'm always honored to be associated with anything related to the Swayze, other than the movie Ghost, of course. And in case you're wondering, the first best movie of all time is Cobra, starring Sylvester Stallone. So thanks so much for the reviews and the social media promotion. Please continue to share it with friends who may find it interesting. This podcast covers a relatively niche subject, so I'm convinced that personal recommendations will be the best way for it to find its audience. I want to thank Mountain Khakis for sponsoring this episode. Mountain Khakis is an outdoor apparel company based out of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And in my opinion, they make some of the best clothing on the market today. I've been wearing Mountain Khakis now almost daily for over 10 years, and I've found it to be durable, professional-looking, comfortable, and versatile. In previous episodes, I mentioned the original Mountain Pants, but I'd also encourage you to check out their shirts, specifically the Equatorial Long Sleeve shirt. I picked one up last summer and have absolutely loved it. It's made out of synthetic material, so it's great in both hot and cold weather. I wore it a ton as a fishing shirt because it provided sun protection, but it also dried quickly when it got wet. It also just looks like a normal nice shirt, which is a great improvement from a lot of these fishing-specific shirts that you'll see from other brands. Most of those special fishing shirts are covered in about 58 pockets and zippers and buttons and these random little flaps of fabric with Velcro on them. I've never really understood what any of that stuff is for. And also, whenever I see those kinds of shirts, they remind me of those multi-pocketed vests that reporters like Tom Brokaw used to wear back in the 80s. So if you're looking for 58 pockets, you need to talk to Brokaw because the equatorial shirt is not for you. But if you are looking for a solid, well-built, nice-looking shirt that works equally well in the river, or if you're going out to dinner at a nice restaurant, go to mountainkhakis.com. You can also check out Mountain Khakis on all their social media. Just type in at Mountain Khakis. My guest today is Connie Shalino. Connie is the owner and head coach at the Alpine Training Center in Boulder, Colorado. The Alpine Training Center is a gym that helps outdoor athletes get better at their respective sports through strength training. Connie trains a wide spectrum of athletes, everybody from elite professional climbers and skiers to retirees and weekend warriors who like to ski, run, climb, bike, and just generally push themselves hard in the mountains. She also trains me, and I was actually at the gym this morning where I got completely worked over. That's the thing. The workouts at the Alpine Training Center are no joke. 
They're hardcore and they require everyone to dig deep, whether you're a pro athlete or somebody like me. The gym is located in an East Boulder industrial building, sandwiched between a plumbing supply business and what appears to be a marijuana grow house. In a town like Boulder, where everybody is riding $10,000 bikes and decked out in all the latest gear, Connie keeps it simple. I think her website says it best. No mirrors, no juice bars, no frills. But the work she's doing is completely outside the norm in the world of mountain and outdoor sports. Outdoor athletes have typically shunned the gym, but for athletes who train at the Alpine Training Center, the results speak for themselves. After putting in some time with Connie and her team of coaches, athletes are stronger, less prone to injury, and mentally tougher. All things that translate well into mountain sports, for enjoyment and for safety. In the interview, we talk about the history of the gym, her educational and professional background, how she goes about designing workouts for such a wide range of athletes. We also talk about the documentary Maru, which if you haven't seen it, you need to. There's a link to it in the show notes. It's on iTunes and it's really, really good and worth watching. Connie makes a cameo in the movie because she was tasked with helping one of the stars of the film train for one of the world's most difficult Himalayan big wall climbs. But the catch was that the athlete that came in had just suffered a broken neck and a cracked skull and was just a few months before leaving for his expedition. It was quite a challenge for Connie and it makes for a very interesting story. So I hope you'll enjoy this interview with Connie. She's doing groundbreaking work in her gym and I've enjoyed getting to know her. She's got some great stories to tell. Um, so thanks for doing this. I really do appreciate it. Oh, no problem. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, this is the first time I think I've been in here and without just getting whipped. And so <laughs> it's kind of a nice feeling. Yeah. Sometimes. I was initially thinking we could do this like after a workout, but then I thought I wouldn't be able to, you know, make a complete sentence. Yeah. So, um, well, the first question I've asked people in the past, and I think it's a good way to get started is when you meet somebody, what do you tell them you do for a living? I tell them I'm a gym owner, mm-hmm. and uh, you'd be surprised at the looks I get. Yeah, like, I bet so. You know, do you own Gold's Gym or Globo Gym or Colorado Athletic Club? I'm like, no, it's it's a garage. Yeah. It's, and it's got equipment in it, and that's about, you know, as fancy as it gets. It's a garage. Uh-huh. And, uh And I've just put some equipment in, and we just work out of there and go for it. So... How did it? How did the Alpine Training Center come to be? I mean, how did it go? You know, you. I know you were in Jackson. We'll talk about your background in detail, but you. How, how did this place come to be? So, like you said, I was in Jackson, and I actually trained a mountain athlete. Yep. Initially, and when I was getting ready to leave, I approached Rob with the idea of starting a mountain athlete here in Boulder, mm-hmm. and he was pretty amenable to the idea. And uh, there was a few hoops that I had to jump with as far as um, getting certifications and insurance and stuff. So once I got that locked in, we found, he and I looked at spaces and we found the space. So this was originally opened as Mountain Athlete Boulder. Okay. Um, and it was like that for about six months. Mm-hmm. So it was actually May, seven years ago that it started okay. as Mountain Athlete. Um, and then after six months, he was no longer interested in continuing Mountain Athlete, mm-hmm. um, unless I wanted to franchise with Got the it. Mountain Athlete brand, or I could just go on my own. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, even six months in, I was pretty comfortable with my athlete base and what we were doing. Then I, I thought that I could make a go of it on my own. Um, so then we switched over to the Alpine Training Center. Got it. Um, so, you know, initially a lot of the stuff we did was uh, modeled off of what the mountain athlete people did. And can you um, explain mountain athlete for people who don't know about that? So it's like functional training for mountain athletes. So mm -hmm. like skiers and climbers, trail runners. It's um, In the years it's been open, it's obviously broadened its horizons to more more athletes mm -hmm. um, but that's initially how it started to get ready to get people ready to be in the mountains and perform in the mountains and um, increase their um, increase their performance be it you know longer mm -hmm. or something more technical in mm -hmm. the long run so Boulder has a very similar demographic to Jackson yes it's just bigger mm -hmm. uh, but we have the same you know everything is the same here except we have better access to rock climbing our access to skiing is probably not as good but you know it's not that bad yeah. um so the athletes are really the same mm -hmm. you know they're all doing the same thing so i think that's why the alpine training center could take off so well because mm -hmm. using that model and just applying it to more people it was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, and so before that, there really was nothing like that in in Jacks. I mean, in in Boulder, is that right? No, there was there were CrossFit gyms. Yep. Um, and then the regular, you know, commercial gyms, and that was it. And so, can you give an overview of how uh, Alpine Training Center, Mountain Athlete, all those th those types of gyms differ from CrossFit? Because when I'm trying to explain it to people, sometimes I say it's it's kind of similar to CrossFit as far as the the types of lifts we do, but it's it's not lifting for lifting's sake. It's lifting to get better at your sport. Is that exactly? Accurate? Yeah, and you'll see that most of the lifts that we do or exercises that we do are very similar to CrossFit. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. But like you said, our ultimate goal is to help the athlete perform better in their sport. Yep. And those sports are all outside. Most of them in the mountains. Whereas CrossFit. Um, was developed as just a fitness-based program. So just trying to increase their, the level of fitness, mm -hmm. um, like you were if you were going to a commercial gym. And then it started to evolve into more of the CrossFit competitions, so the CrossFit games. So it's become not... Not everyone does it for that reason, but there's a, a large percentage that does CrossFit to be better in the gym and be better at doing those lifts and lift mm -hmm. more and competing in the games. That's then, the end goal yeah, is being better goal. at CrossFit. Exactly. Or general fitness. So I know there are a few exercises here that we do that are, that I've talked to some people who do CrossFit and they had no idea what I was talking about, mm -hmm. which I think, which I like, um, yeah. cause I feel like they're a little more, <laughs> they're kind of more crazy, but I think, can you describe a few of the kind of exercises that you or you and Rob have invented invented over over the years like the the sandbag get-ups uh, air dine all that kind of stuff and just kind of go through those exercises for people who don't understand them yeah so the sandbag get-up is a classic um, that Rob does and I do a lot it is a great total body exercise and it's one of those things that when you do it and you're like I am never gonna do this movement ever in my life and then there's that one day and you're like, oh my God, yeah. those sandbag get-ups, yeah. that was it. But 
you know, leg strength, core strength, um, upper body strength every time you pick up that sandbag. It's really like with one tool, you're working the whole body, which is really pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Um, and efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you guys come in, the athletes come in here, they have an hour to do everything. And, you know, to try to get a total body workout, try to get some cardio in, which is not a lot of time, you know, no. and you got to, you have to be efficient and you got to move quickly. And that's kind of the beauty of the programming is three hours a week, two hours a week here. And then, um, whatever you do on your own, that's a, that's a packed week of exercise. Oh yeah. So doing those total body things really help as far as efficiency and hitting everything. Um, actually the ladies were talking this morning, another one that Rob started doing, I'm not sure if he came up with is the classic Curtis P. Mm -hmm. So Curtis P is a a barbell complex where you do a hang squat clean and you do, um, a forward stepping lunge on each leg and then you do a push press. Mm -hmm. And in four movements there, you've covered all of the basics. You're squatting, you're pulling, you're pushing. Um, and that's, that's what you need to do, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's in one move. And, you know, we, there's a, a workout where you do 100 Curtis piece for time, which is, you know, 35 to 40 minutes of just soul crushing work. I just you know? <laughs> I don't think I've ever done that. And I can't imagine it. I mean, those things are so hard. As yeah. are the sandbag get-ups. Yeah. I think the sandbag get-ups are one of the hardest things we do here. Yeah. And they're hard mostly because you're going from the ground to a standing position. Yeah. Anytime you do an exercise like that, like burpees can mm-hmm. be crushing. And it's that same thing, going from the ground to a standing position. Yep. Where it really just jacks up the heart rate fast. Weight or no weight. Yeah. So I want to talk more about the gym and about your ideas on programming and, and all that, those kind of details. But I also wanted to kind of hear your personal background and what led you into this line of work. And so, so where did you grow up? So I actually grew up on the East Coast. Yep. Um, and as a kid, did a lot of team sports. Um, so I played soccer. I played softball. I played volleyball. Mm-hmm. And then I got into skiing. So in high school is when I really started skiing um, at a more competitive level. Where so, was the skiing taking place? Uh, in So part of it was in Connecticut. So the high school team competed in Connecticut. Yep. Um, and then on the weekends, I traveled to Vermont, and I skied on a team up there. So, you know, I was skiing like five days a week as a high schooler, and that was that's what actually really got me into the fitness world. Mm-hmm. So once I realized that, you know, skiing is something that I wanted to do and try to, to progress at, you know, whatever level that was, that it was going to require work outside of just skiing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to have to prepare for the ski season. And we did some, you know, in high school, we did some dry land training, but it was like four weeks to get ready for a four month season is really wasn't time. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about, well, how do I, how can I do better? If I started dryland training ahead of everybody else, you know, then I could get more from the actual training that we did there. And then I have more in the skiing. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of evolved from that. And once I got to the college level, it was, the dryland training was significantly longer. And we spent way more time in the gym and starting to learn some of the 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 true lifts the Mm -hmm. squats and the deadlifts and bench press kind of thing and you know how does that apply 
to skiing really that's what mm-hmm. I was doing at the time and just it kind of just grew from there mm-hmm. and when I left school I was a little undecided about what I wanted to do so I decided to take a year off and be a ski bomb nice and that's when I moved to Jackson mm-hmm. though it wasn't my first choice actually the girlfriend that I went with um, had suggested it. I wanted to go to Steamboat. Oh, did you that really? Was my, that was my first love. And I never even heard of Jackson. Yeah. And uh, my father had been there a couple of times. Um, his boss owned a place in Jackson. He's like, well, he's like, I don't know what's there. There's a bunch of cowboys, but there's a big mountain out there. He's like, go for it. Yeah. You know, see what it's like. So then I, I went there um, with the intention of spending a year as a ski instructor and it just grew from there mm-hmm. you know the love of the mountains and being in the mountains and doing stuff in the mountains prepping for all that is where I really started to investigate all this fitness and how to prepare for things mm-hmm. and after a couple of years in Jackson I went um, back to school up in Bozeman yep and I got my master's in exercise science. Okay. And um, then just kind of grew from there. I went back to Jackson and and tried a bunch of different stuff because I wasn't really sure where my true calling was. Mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to share this fitness and um, ideas that I had mm-hmm. and trying to in- implement programs, but trying to find the exact way to do that was challenging. Um, I started with personal training, but honestly, I don't. That's not my true love. I'd rather yeah. have a whole group of people, like everybody's working hard and getting after it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I started working with the the rec center, and I did different things with them. They're like, in Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was the the early morning aerobics class that I taught mm-hmm. forever, yeah. and I had a group of women that, you know, they'd get up with me six thirty, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know. So I didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we started doing different things. We um, started the the ski fitness program there at the the rec center, and that one I really loved because I had a gym full, you know, of just skiers that wanted to get ready for skiing, yeah. you know. And I was like, this is really cool. This is what I like. So were you experimenting with different? programs at that point because yes. it, there's there's really nothing like that i mean i guess every college has their own strength coach but yeah at that point there really wasn't this idea of strength training for mountain type sports was there no yeah and it was more you know even this the the strength stuff that we did as skiers it was still it wasn't really like a program thing you know yeah. it, it was more like a little bit of free form where they'd send us into the weight room and we were supposed to lift some weights, yeah. you know, and the the boys like bench press, yeah. curls. Yeah, they knew what stuff. they were doing, but the women were kind of like, you know, just kind of following along. Sure. Um, and you know, it stayed like that for a while, mm-hmm. um, and people didn't really embrace the idea of developing any kind of strength for mountain sports yeah. or even you know, running or cycling, mm-hmm. you know, for years, you know, you weren't supposed to do that because then all of a sudden you have big legs and yep. that was going to slow you down. Um, but the, it really starts with the idea of prepping for your season or for your sport and mm-hmm. how best, you know, the ski fitness, that's exactly what it was, is mm-hmm. prepping for the sport and to remain injury free. Yep. I think that's, a, it's a huge part of what every coach does is, to keep people injury free because mm-hmm. then they can continue to 
improve and develop and build on that base. As soon as you're hurt, you're back to square run mm-hmm. one and you know, you're nowhere. Yeah. Um, so those were just kind of my formative years. And then when I came across, uh, mountain athlete is right when you know he opened up so was that like oh six something like that oh six yeah oh seven maybe i remember this is crazy i remember this but when i lived in jackson i was there i left in oh seven to go back to grad school and i remember i was looking in the local newspaper one day and there was this little classified ad and it said something like you know i'm doing strength training for mountain athletes email Mm -hmm. me yeah. And I was like thinking, that looks kind of interesting. and, and then, But then I couldn't remember the email address or the website or anything. Yeah. And then like a year later, I came across it online, and it was, I guess it was Rob who had, who yep. had got this thing going. Mm-hmm. And um, so you met him and then started training with him, and that's yeah. you guys started kind of figuring this thing out together. Yeah. Um, and it was really interesting because leading up, it, it just happened that year, my husband and I decided we were going to go um, – to Indian Creek, outside of Moab, yep. to climb. And we were going to go there for a month. Nice. And the idea was just, like, to climb as many cracks as we could in that month. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we decided in the fall, and I was like, well, if if we're really going to do this, I better get in shape. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know what it's like to crack climb there, you know. Yeah. And it is a total body workout. If I'm going to have to do that for a whole month and, you know, actually enjoy myself, it was going to take a little prep work. Sure. So that's when I started, like, working on, you know, different things in the gym and, you know, really trying to figure out how I was going to develop total body strength for that Mm -hmm. without actually climbing. Mm -hmm. And I thought I did a pretty good job. And then I met Rob. And that's when I started. So you were doing that on your own, getting ready. And then was it after that you met Rob or before? It was kind of like right in the middle. Right in the middle. Okay. Yeah. And um, I went and tried out a session, and all of a sudden I was like, wow. All that work that I've been doing, and I just got myself crushing an hour. Yeah. I'm like, what? There's got, you know, there's something better out there. And that's when I realized that there was a better way to program and to work out and to really find that end goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And you could see the results pretty quickly. Oh, totally. You know, and I only spent, unfortunately, I only had time to train with him for a month before we went to Indian Creek. But, I mean, it was night and day for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was that total body strength that I was lacking and being able to figure out how to do that. You know, a lot of people, you know, they'll squat to death. But is that really total body strength? And does just squatting apply to climbing? Mm -hmm. Not really. Yeah. Um, There's there's better more efficient lifts that i could do or somebody else could do i could have people do to you know perform better really sure so in the years in your years in jackson were you you were skiing were you guiding mountain climb were you doing mountain guiding what what other types of sports were you doing mostly skiing and running yep and then climbing initially it was just something that my husband and I did on our own sure um, he was an exam guide oh, okay yep um, and had been them with them for a while mm-hmm. um, so when I first met him I didn't climb at all so the summers while he was guided I actually started running a mm-hmm. lot sure. um, and did you know over the course of a few years did marathons and then started trail running stuff so hill climbs and Really kind of got into that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because he was always gone. So I was like, well, I need something to yeah. do, yeah. you know? <laughs> and then off season, we would always travel for climbing. Uh-huh. Um, and it just became something that um, it was more a part of me and what I did. And then the last few years we were in Jackson, um, I did some work with Exum. I started just in the office. You know, he was up there all the time. I was like, well, might as well spend some time up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of groomed me um, into the guiding situation. Oh, so nice. they let me go out, you know, with the guides and, you know, just kind of shadow first. And then I went through guides training. Um, and then they let me do some guiding on my own. That's great. Yeah. That That's the... Uh PhD program in guiding from from what I understand I don't know what you it is it, and it you know it's a great way to learn yeah. I mean Exum has you know not only the top climbers but the top guides in the world yeah I mean for clients that go and climb with them what a great place to go and people to learn from and as someone that that wants to guide there's no better place to learn so it was really you know a great opportunity for me I did a semester of Knowles during college, and one of my instructors was a guy named Ben Gilmore. Yeah, and, you know, I know Ben. Yeah, I guess yeah. he trained at Mountain Athlete. But I, he did, and he, he was some guide. Yeah, and he was just the, the nicest, kind of most soft-spoken guy, and he was just such a great teacher for climbing. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I was coming from North Carolina, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. And we spent three weeks at Smith Rock, and he was just um, such a great teacher. And then years later, I was at the post office in Jackson when I lived there, and I saw this just kind of massive guy with just huge forearms and I looked and it was, it was Ben a- Gilmore <laughs> and, it, and you know then I, I looked into it and he has done you know done all these crazy things in Alaska and yeah um, and he had been training at Mountain Athlete yeah and you would never know meeting him oh no no Completely, completely yeah. down to earth, soft spoken. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's one thing I wanted to talk about with Alpine Training Center is I'm interested in how you how you were able to build kind of the the community here at Alpine Training Center because mm-hmm. it's an interesting group of people because you got everybody from professional athletes and college athletes to people in their mid to late 60s retirees weekend warrior types and then people like me who i don't know somewhere in the middle i guess (laughs) and uh, yeah and um and but yet everybody here is supportive and they're fun but it's hardcore i mean nobody's messing around Mm -hmm. so i mean how did you how did you do that because i would think a lot of people who start gyms that would be their goal, even if they're not doing this functional type fitness, but they would want that kind of thing where people were nice and friendly and supportive, but there's no messing around. Yeah. I mean, is there a, is there a secret to that? You know, I wish there was, I could sell it and make a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the way the gym has been going and the way I started it is it's really all word of mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, um, there was a group of ladies that were here and, boulder that i found out about that were following the the mountain athlete site Mm -hmm. um and they were just kind of doing it on their own and you know trying this and that and i approached them and i was like what if you let me train you Mm -hmm. we'll do that same thing but let me coach you through some of these things and you know just let's see where it goes you know and it was one of those things that started you know in a park in north boulder and then then we had enough ladies that we were going to have to move inside, mm-hmm. you know, so then I had to find a space for that. And those women were, I mean, they were the typical Boulder women that they run and they do yoga and they climb and they ski. And I was like, 
how do you do all this stuff? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Not knowing, you know, Boulder is definitely a different place when it comes to exercise. But then they just started sharing it with their friends, you know, and one friend told this person and they're like, you know, it's not easy. It's, you know, some days are really kind of hard. And, but it's, you know, in the end, it's, it's kind of fun when you're done, you know, you're like, it, it was a good workout, you yeah. know, no one got hurt and we're making progress so that, you know, one person tells one person is really how this place has grown. And I really do very little marketing. Mm-hmm. Probably because I'm lazy, but no, I think, mostly because I think I, that's. I mean, yeah. I think that's part of the the, the secret. I think the yeah. word. If you were out, if you were putting ads on the internet or really going after it hard, you'd get a lot of people in here who don't belong. Exactly. And so I think, like my friend that I, I you know referred to come here, who's now giving me a hard time because he's coming more than I do, <laughs> but he, uh, you know, that he he fits with the, exactly with the group. Yeah, and you know when like when you you know, tell somebody about it when you picked him to talk to him about it. You knew you had an idea that it's something that he would be interested mm-hmm. in that would help him and he does fit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of a the athletes are self selecting. Yeah, know? that's you exactly the term I was gonna use. You yeah. Know, or you think that would fit in. Yep. And if they don't, they don't last. Sure. It's just not it's not a nurturing environment if one, if you don't like this kind of training and if you're not into that camaraderie, you mm-hmm. know, and not, you have to be able to give it and take it, yep. you know, and kind of meld into the group, whoever you are. And if you don't like it, then they don't come back. It's funny because, you know, on some climbing trips I've been on, you, you, you go on these, these trips and you meet somebody, like if you're going on a guided trip and you meet these people and then you're in a tent with them for three weeks. And when you leave, you're like best friends with them, even though you've <laughs> yep. only known them for three weeks. And that's got, I feel like that's how it is here. Like Paul, you know, yep. he, he and I are best of friends and we maybe spend two hours a week together. But, exactly. you know, you kind of go through this getting your ass whipped like that. And it, it really, I guess there is something to these like team building type exercises, these yeah. big companies too. <laughs> it's true, obviously. <laughs> um, and so, you know, when... With your background in the, you know, you've got a, a formal education in, in um, you know, exercise science. How do you go about putting together programs that are equally challenging and safe, but also beneficial for such a huge range of athletes? Everybody, you know, I can be in here just doing it for fitness or to, so I can do a little bit better running, but I'm next to a pro athlete who's getting ready to go to the Himalayas. I mean, how do you... How, how do you program that? I mean, how do you even begin to figure that out? So for every athlete, the best thing I can do for them is to make them stronger. There's no end to being strong. You're never like, you're never like, I am strong enough. And that's it. Yep. Because as soon as you say that, you know, you're already regressing. So my goal for everyone, whatever level they're at, is just to make them stronger. You know, and finding different ways to do that you know we do a lot of the the major lifts the squat the deadlifts pressing um we just kind of mix it up a little to make it to make it fun because if i made you come in here and like squat three days a week you know after about a month or so you're like if i do one more squat i'm done yeah so finding ways that are you know interesting challenging um and creative Mm -hmm. you know i think there's there's a lot of creativity that goes into some of these programs. Um, 
just to keep it interesting and you know to keep you on your toes and you're like i had no idea that's you know that's what she was getting at right there well i think also your the the group that comes here that you've kind of built over the years nobody here is chasing numbers on you know trying to squat whatever 500 pounds or whatever they everybody here the, the the lifting is a means to the to the end exactly being better at their sports and i think even though it's real easy to get hung up on, well, I want to deadlift this or I want to do a certain time on the, the rower. If Even if you get hung up on that for a while, you're going to get out of it pretty quick because you yeah. don't give the opportunity to squat for two months straight. I exactly. mean, you're, you're moving it through. Yeah. So strength is across the board. And the other thing is the breathing component. Every you know, In every sport, you need to be able to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, a lot of the programming revolves around that when we're on the rower, on the skier, the airdyne. You know, that's all just a way to make the aerobic system more efficient. Mm-hmm. So I got some that's strong and aerobically strong, and that applies to every athlete. So yeah. it doesn't really matter, you know, what they're doing and where they start at. Mm-hmm. I can always progress them. Yep. And so how when you're coming up with these programs – are you intentionally training the mental aspect, you know, creating these things so they're hard but doable so that people get tougher mentally? Or do you think that's just a side effect of the physical training or do they feed each other? They feed each other. Yeah. Um, we're actually right now, this, um, these two weeks, this week and next week, um, we're working on just training the mental part. Mm-hmm. And, um, the other coaches and I are trying to design things that really, it's just a mental challenge. You'd be able to do everything, but where do you mentally stop and give up? Mm-hmm. Um, is it, you know, when you tr- are, are you truly at failure and you, you can't lift or you can't squat one more time? Or is it the mind saying? Mm-hmm. We don't do that all the time. Cause it is, it's taxing on the mm-hmm. mind. Sure. You know, it kind of wears you out, you know, in a different way. Like your body might not be tired. You know, the one that they did today, they got to do as many push presses as they can. Their mind gets tired of doing it before yep. they actually ever reach failure. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're not even going to be sore from it tomorrow. And they're going to be like, oh, my God, that was so hard for three minutes. Yeah. Not even sore because you never really reached failure. Sure. But their mind is tired from thinking about, oh, my God, this is going to be awful. You yeah. know? And when you're in it, you're like, oh, this is the worst thing I've ever done in my life. But we don't do it all the time. You know, there's a time yeah. like... So that's split, intentional when you... That, yeah. right now, it's totally intentional. And some of the things we do, we mix it up, mm-hmm. you know, and you'll see some of these, you know, some of the things that we're going to do in the next couple of weeks, we've done before. But to really focus on that. Uh, there's other times where, like, I really need to just build some strength. Like, going into ski season, you know... Mental toughness or not, you just need to have strong legs. You need to have a strong core, mm-hmm. you know, and I need to build that back. And I don't care if you're mentally tough or not, but the reality is I need to injury-proof these people before going into that. Mm-hmm. And then from doing that, you'd be surprised at how much of that, that mental toughness comes in. You know, what are you willing to do to have a better ski season? Yep. Not get injured be ready for whatever comes at you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it's integrated into it, but not always like as a main theme. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's one thing I've gotten out of it is that it, you know, I, 
right now my focus outside of here is doing these really long runs and I've found that an hour here in the gym is kind of like a microcosm of one of these long you know 24 hour whatever runs and that you have these ups and downs where you think <laughs> you know you, you think you feel good about it at first and then you start feeling awful and you think I can't finish this you know maybe 15 minutes in and then you kind of dig yourself out of that hole and you start feeling good and then you crash again and so in an hour you get this really intense experience, mental experience that to get, you know, running in the mountains going extremely slow, it takes 20 hours. Yeah. And um, I think if you're, you know, I've, for me personally, I found that if I'm sitting in here and I just think I can't finish and then I do, you know, you can take that out into the mountains. Yeah. Um, which I, th- I think is really important for a lot of reasons, you know, for, for doing well in races, but also for safety. Exactly. You know, Survival. Just, yeah. Just knowing, knowing that you can always do more. Yeah. Um, kind of back to the culture of this place. Uh, you've got a great team here, and you've got, you know you're not coaching every single class. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the other coaches and their athletic backgrounds and kind of what they bring to the to the mix? You know, I think if I could just freeze time right now with the coaches that I have, I think I have the perfect setup, and I will challenge any gym in Boulder to say they have a better. Um, staff of coaches I think we each have we have very different backgrounds um, and we have very different coaching styles but I think it works for everybody and I'm very happy with the way those guys coaches uh, coach and and it's kind of odd to be you know the woman in charge of these you know these other coaches and their athletes themselves that that are so accomplished in what mm-hmm. they've been doing. Um, sometimes I'm kind of like, what? Why do people <laughs> listen to me? Because we got, you know, the opportunity out there is way greater. But um, the great thing is, like the athletes, these coaches have some, through someone or some way, found me, you know, and found this community and come to me and say, I want to be a part of this and help you make it better. And I think that's why they're so great. And I think that's why the athletes can do well with them and take instruction from them, listen to them, and really perform their best for them. Mm-hmm. Because they, the coaches want to be here and they want to help. Yep. And I think they do a great job. Um, Hunter, I met actually a mountain athlete in Jackson. Okay. Um, we were both living up there and training there. I didn't know him that well when I was training there because, you know, if you think he's a beast now, you should have seen him up there. I mean, he was younger, 10 I think years I've seen younger. videos <laughs> yeah. of him doing the Curtis Pease, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he was young and strong and just getting after it, you know. And I, I was a little nervous talking yeah. to him. Um, <laughs> but then uh, I moved down here, and he came down a little while after, and he's like, hey, can I, you know, I need a place to train. Can I just come train? I'm like, Yeah. And then he actually left for a little while. I went over to Telluride and worked, I don't know, a year or two. And then when he came back, you know, he's like, I want to come back and train again. And um, it was kind of at a time where it was still kind of just me. And I'm like, God, I could use a vacation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could use a break. I'm like, what do you think about, you know, coaching some? And, you know, at first he was really, I won't say reluctant, but like he wouldn't take on a lot. Sure. You know, he'd do... You know, something here or there, I get out on Friday afternoon or, you know, he'll take a Friday or something. Um, 
but I think he's really developed as a coach over mm-hmm. the last few years and taken on, you know, he's here Tuesday morning all the time now, you know, and yep. that's his time. And like, if I show up and he's not here, I was like, well, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. I'm supposed to be here. And he's, he's taken on a lot. And it's, it's been really fun to see him develop as a coach yep. over um, the last few years, which I didn't think I would have the opportunity to see or to work with him and, and do that, which is really neat. Um, and then Jason came to me a little while after that. And that, looking back, I wish I had, I wish I had videoed his first training session here. So, like for coaches that I interview as a coach, the first thing they got to do is a training session uh-huh. with the group. And the idea is to see, see what they got. Yeah. You know, can they? When the going gets tough, can they hang? Sure. You know, and what are they gonna do? Because you know, I get people, you know, emailing me all the time. I want to coach for you. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. You. I'm sure you this, did. Yeah. You know, and. You know, I have, you know, kicked more coaches' asses than actually athletes. You know, they yeah. come in, they think they know everything, you know, and they're like <laughs> badass. And I'm like, give me an hour of your time and then we'll talk, yeah. you know. So Jason came in and actually had, it was a day that we were doing Curtis Pease, which he had never done, and running. Which at the time he was not running all that much, mm-hmm. you know, not to the extent that he's doing right now. And... He, he went out for one of the runs. He had to do a little lap around the building. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, what the hell happened out there? And I'm looking. I don't see him. And finally, he comes back, and he's back in here, and he's like one knee down on the ground just holding his head. You know, I didn't think he was going to make it through. Yeah. You know, I was really like – because, you know, you look at him, you're like, damn, he could lift the gym. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, his arms are definitely bigger yeah, than my legs. Yeah, but it was just, so, you know, like everyone, is something different. And, uh, you know, he he readily admitted, like, a year later, he's like, that crushed me, God. He's like, <laughs> I had no idea, you know. But it was that his ability to keep pushing through, mm-hmm. you know, and this was a task, and he was going to get it done no matter what. Yeah. You know, and... Some of the people that I've interviewed, they don't have that. You well, they probably got an ego problem where they, they start getting whipped and yeah. then they start panicking and they get embarrassed and this and that. Exactly. And I think, yeah, I really think even for, for me as a, you know, just a participant here, that when you, within 30 minutes, you can strip away everything and, exactly. and you're down to kind of who you are and you see if you, you know, if you've got it. And if you don't yeah. have it, you can, you can build it up. Yeah. But I think, you know, for a coach, it's a real quick way to see, what they're going to do and what their ego is. And, it is. Yeah, if they're humble. Yeah. I can weed out people fast that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 45 minutes, yeah. no problem. <laughs> There's not a lot of interview process, which is nice. Um, so I knew, you know, I, I didn't know what it was, but I knew that I liked him and I yeah. knew that, um, I knew right away he was going to have a different style, which I kind of liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, I just gave him a shot, and I was like, I, he just moved here from the East Coast also. Wasn't really sure, you know, what he was doing, but, you know, like Hunter, he wanted to be in the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it it's turned out to be a great fit with Jason. Um, I think he probably, I know, he pushes everybody harder than all the other coaches. And um, I think that's good sometimes. I think we all need that to get out of, you know, 
I'll admit to myself, I get in the comfort zone. Yeah. You know, I know how to read a workout and find out, you know, where I'm going to rest, where I can push and sure. what's going to happen. Um, but to have someone like come in and then just like blow you out of the water, you're like, whoo, I think, coming. I think he was here the second time I ever came which was terrible because I was really sore. And so <laughs> the first time it would have been all right. But he, you know, he, he whipped me, but it was all positive and, and exactly. encur- there was encouragement, but yeah. there was no sitting around that I'm sore. I can't do this. I mean, yeah. you, you had to keep it moving. So yeah, he is a hundred percent positive. Yeah, he is. He and, really uh, is an energetic and yeah. Um, yeah. It's amazing that the energy he brings to coaching and life and, um, things you know his pursuits you know um the first time he did uh leadville 100 he asked me to to crew for him mm-hmm. and you know he had his whole team lined up and you know he knew that i did a lot of running and you know not long before the race it was just a couple of weeks out he's like kanye i can't even believe that i didn't ask you to pace me you know i put you in the crew but i didn't ask you to pace me i'm like Jason, I can serve you better in the crew. Sure. You know, you have your boys out there running with you. That's yeah. fine. And over 100 miles, like, his attitude was incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just always positive, you know. And even towards the end, I'm like, oh, my God, is this thing almost over? This is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can hang this yeah. much longer. You know, I'm sleeping on the sidelines and stuff. But it never wavered. Yeah. And, you know, coming in, like, he came in at... And it was like mile eighty, and he was hurting. Sure, you know, and it was, it was written on his face, but he never said anything. Yeah, you know, it's like, I need this, I need that, I need to keep moving. You know, he's like, I got a race to finish, sure. and hundred percent positive. And I was like, how does he do that? Yeah, you know, I don't even want to get out of the car. Oh yeah, and he's running and just going. And that's and infectious, and I think that can. I really do think that can be trained. I mean, yes. I think some people are naturally better at it than others, but yeah. I think, um, you know, having him here drilling that into people's heads when they're feeling like they're going to puke, yep. you know, to keep that attitude positive. I think yeah. that, I think that's more valuable than the strength gained in the end. I think, I, it'll, think so I think too. it'll take you farther. I mean, ideally yep. you want both, but yeah. I think the positive attitude will, will take you farther. I think so too. Cause if you think about, you know, when you're out there for the long haul and things start going south, the reason they start going south is because of the negative thoughts. Oh, yeah. And if you can keep those negative thoughts out or turn it around, that's when you can keep going. Yeah. If you can't turn those negative thoughts around, then you just dig in that hole that you never come out of. Oh, yeah. You can get in trouble yeah. real quick. <laughs> I know from experience. <laughs> um, and then Mike. Mike. Mike's our newest coach. So he's um, just over a year now. And the first time he came here actually was right after the Grand Traverse. Oh wow! And which is one of explain what that is for people who don't know. The Grand Traverse is uh, well, I don't really want to say ski mountaineering, but that's what they they bill it as a ski mountaineering race that goes from Crested Butte to Aspen. Mm-hmm. So it's forty miles on skis. You start at midnight um, with the hopes of finishing by noon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of vertical gain. That's why I say that's it's probably not true mountaineering. Sure. Um, it's a long slog. That's what yeah. people say. And it's really a, as much of a, a physical challenge, it is a mental challenge uh, to be able to go that long. And typical finisher, like some, you know, the people here in the gym, anywhere from 10 to 13 hours slogging along. Sure. Um, and it's just, 
you know, it's, it's hard on the body, it's hard on the mind. And he, a friend of his trained here, and his friend say, oh, I got a buddy, he just did the Grand Traverse a couple of days ago, and he needs to move, but doesn't want to, you know, he's like, he's in no shape to do, you know, anything hard. He's like, do you think it'd be okay if I brought him in? I'm like, yeah, bring him in. You know, we'll, we'll set something up for him. And um, yeah, his feet were so beat up, he couldn't wear shoes. <laughs> so that was, I was like, okay, so you're going to limit what you, you're yeah. too tired to do anything and you can't wear shoes. <laughs> you, you push it here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, so I gave him, a, you know, a workout to do, um, a recovery workout to just get him moving and, you know, try to feel good yep. and not, you know, in that place where, you know, everything hurts and I'm never going to get past that. And um, then I didn't hear from him for a while. And then uh, he actually got in contact with me. It was probably, um, gosh, a year and a half later. He's mm -hmm. like, I'm coming back to Boulder. I'm going to school and I want to do some coaching. He was a CrossFit coach over in Telluride. Okay. Um, he's like, I really liked the atmosphere when I came and trained with you. And, um, you know, do you think, you know, you have a spot for me? You know, I'll go through whatever, you know, you need me to do. And then I found out that, that he was actually, he'd gone to Jim Jones Fundamentals. So mm -hmm. it was not just, I was a little leery on the CrossFit side. Sure. Um, I wasn't really looking for a CrossFit coach, but then... I found out that he, you know, he started the Jim Jones process. Can you explain like, Jim Jones for people who don't know? Jim Jones is a, a private gym in Salt Lake City that was founded by Mark Twight. Um, and he's probably the leader in developing gym fitness for the outdoors, mm -hmm. specifically for, I mean, he was a climber. And he needed to find ways to improve his climbing when, mm -hmm. he, when he couldn't climb, really. Yep. You know, there was, there was more time that he could devote to training but not actually be climbing. Mm -hmm. So he started that gym with some other climbers yep. to kind of to see what he could do, see how he could improve his performance. Mm -hmm. And it's grown to other types of athletes. Mm -hmm. You know, they have they have a huge base of different types of athletes from mountaineers to runners to NFL football players mm -hmm. to jiu-jitsu guys you know all the fightings and um rob mcdonald who's now the the general manager of the gym went to twice because he was fighting at the time mm -hmm. um and was looking for someone to coach him to get you know to take to go to the next level yep. and so it's kind of grown from there rob has definitely taken you know taken the ball and roll with it yep. um started doing seminars to kind of to spread the word of what they're doing and how they how they do it. Um, obviously, the their their motto is the mind is primary, mm -hmm. and they do a lot of mental training. Yep. Um, just walking in there is mentally <laughs> challenging. I'd be very scared <laughs> to walk in there. Um, but it, and it is a little different mentality than just straight up strength training. You know, they bring that mental challenge to every workout that, that they do mm -hmm. um, and they expect it of the people that go and train there so I knew that Mike had you know had been exposed to that and had that kind of background so I wasn't going to get just a CrossFit coach yeah. um, and I've been very happy with Mike you know he does he does everything that everybody else does he climbs he skis he runs he rides his bike mm -hmm. um, and 
you know, he trains in the gym, you know, and realizes that it's, you know, it's way, his way of getting better at his sport. Um, The gym is important, but sport is important also. Um, So he has been a great fit also. Yeah. And definitely a different, he definitely has a more Jim Jones style than anybody here. Sure. um, Myself included. And it's a nice it's a nice change. It's different. Yeah. You know, he's not a super raw, raw guy mm-hmm. um, like Jason is. Yeah. You know, I would say he's probably total opposite. Mm-hmm. But you always feel pushed and you feel like it's a good experience. It's a positive experience without everything being, you know, cherries and sunshine. Yeah. He's, uh, I've only been here a few times when he's coaching, but he's always been unbelievably helpful with the technique part of things yeah um which i you know i'm generally not good at especially like on overhead squats and stuff like that but he's he seems to be a really gifted teacher i mean he 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 is a student of of the whole sport of lifting yeah um and we've already been going 45 minutes i could talk about (laughs) stuff all day um Oh, one thing I want to talk about, and I'd forgotten about it until I just looked at these notes, is the the documentary Maru. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize until I saw it that you were in it. Yeah. And um, I didn't either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'd seen the trailer, so I knew that some of the stuff that we'd done was in the trailer. But yeah. I had no idea that it would go, like any of that would go into the full movie. Um, so for people who don't know, it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. I mean, it is so good, and you should watch it on iTunes or Netflix or whatever it's on. But it's about these three mountaineers, Jimmy Chin, Conrad Anker, and Renan Ozturk, who try to climb a big mountain in the Himalayas called Maru. They fail about, what, like 100 feet from the summit? Yeah. Come home, train, 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 and then go back and eventually summit. But in the process of training for the second expedition, they have all these – Challenges and one of them is this guy Renan Ozturk falls off. He's skiing and falls off a cliff, cracks his skull, breaks his neck, gets carried off. Probably should have died, but didn't. And that's maybe what, like a year, eight months out from the next trip. Yeah. And so he's completely focused on, you know, still going on the trip. And as part of his rehab, he comes to the Alpine Training Center. <laughs> so, so what did you do when this guy walks in with a cracked skull and says, "I want to throw some weights around"? <laughs> well, I actually got a call from his um, chiropractor, massage therapist, uh-huh. um, and he said, "You know, I have this. I, I didn't know who he was. Yeah, um, I have this athlete. He broke his neck. And he's he's getting ready to go back." Um, and to, you know, try to summon this mountain again. And, you know, at this point we were like, when he first contacted me, we were maybe eight weeks out from when not, Renan was going to leave. Eight weeks? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Holy it was cow. tight. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, I was like, whew, that doesn't give me a lot of time. Yeah. You yeah. know? And I was like, all right, well, you know, what, what are his limitations? Um, he's like, well. He's his got brains, broken neck. His brains are about to fall <laughs> yeah, out of his exactly. skull. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm assuming that's healed. But is you know, his chiropractor is like, you know, every day is a new day. Mm-hmm. He's got challenges every day that we don't know about. Yep. And he's got some successes every day. Uh, but he's like, you cannot load his spine. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. 
so you want me to make him strong, but I can't load him. Yeah. So loading the spine would be like any kinds of squat, any kind of deadlift, which any is the first standing thing. lift, right? Yeah. Yeah. And those are the major things that we do to develop, yeah. you know, leg strength, lower back strength for a mountain athlete. I'm like, you're taking those away and you're going to give me eight weeks to make them strong. Yeah, I can only think of one or two times in here where we've done lifts that didn't involve standing up. Exactly. It's. Just, I yeah. mean, that was like yeah. right there. I was like, well, okay. You know, sure. but I'm not going to make any promises here. Yeah. You know, I'll do the best I can. Um, and that's when like you realize the beauty of the tire drag you know oh, people yeah. hate it yeah you know but the reality is i can build leg strength without loading the spine mm -hmm. and i can build leg strength without compromising any joints mm. so people that have knee pain or hip pain back pain they can tire drag all day and not compromise the joints um so that was a big one for him he got to drag that tire up down forward sure. backwards everything because I could develop some strength yep. and I wasn't loading the spine. So I wasn't putting him in, in any jeopardy. Got it. So, you know, when he came to be broken, I, I, I can't make him more broken. I got to try to to push him along and try to make steps forward. Um, but it was challenging. You know, he'd come in here and train, like in the beginning, he'd train one day and then he'd need to take three days off. Wow. I'm like, three days? We have eight weeks. Yeah, I mean, ticking. that's that's a huge block of time. You know, we can't afford, we can't really afford that kind of rest. He's like, I can't do it. He's like, I physically cannot get out of bed. I'm like, well, okay, then <laughs> I'll give you today off. Yeah, yeah. But of every of anyone I've trained with an injury, I think he was the most challenging so. because every day, literally every day, was different. You know, we try something, you know, and being here, he's like, oh, that felt good, you know, and then he called me up the next day, he's like, no go. We cannot do that again. I'm so, like, like, tire drags, I, I remember in the movie he was doing Airdyne. Airdyne, goblet squats is a good one because you can load the legs, uh, but I'm not loading the spine. Yep, yep. Um, so, we did, he did a lot of goblet squats. Um, lunges with dumbbells by your side. Again, I'm loading the legs, but I'm not loading the uh -huh. spine. Um, and that was a good one. Those are good to develop core strength also. Yep. So goblet squats and the, the lunges are good. Um, and then it's tire drags. And then, you know, we tried things. We tried deadlifting, and that was absolutely no. Mm -hmm. Like one day, put them out for a week. Did it um, really? Yeah. At a load that you would be astonished. Are you like, are you kidding? Yeah. And it was one of those things where it's like, if he can't do that, realistically, how is he going to climb that peak. Oh sure. You know, and I had, I had no, I had no idea how he was going to do that. And you know, when he left here, I was like, I, why, why would you put yourself through that? Mm -hmm. Because there was, there was nothing about his physical being that was good. That was gonna, that was gonna be his go-to. Yeah. You know, you always have like, when you're running, you're like. Well, I know my legs are strong. Yeah, yeah, I so, can fall back on that, yeah, worst case. I can always walk yeah. for 24 hours if I need to. But his legs weren't that strong. You know, he hadn't done that much. You mm -hmm. know, eight weeks of, you know, some strength training does not get you up, Maru. <laughs> yeah, you know? especially, I mean, and he basically probably atrophied from sitting around, you know, waiting, you know, just trying to recover. Exactly. Recovery, yeah. So he didn't have that. He didn't have the, the lung capacity um 
not only from the previous accident, but just from not being at altitude or mm-hmm. doing things. You know, he would do, um, like, his aerobic workout would be, like, three flat irons in a day. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, for you and I, that would be a lot. Sure. But we're not climbing a room. Yeah, we're not. You know? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that's the, the thing about that is that would be going after that mountain. If, if somebody came in here in peak physical, physical condition, you know, they've been training here for three years and they could do 100 milers, you know, with no problem, it would still be a huge challenge to get them ready for that mountain. It would be. Um, well, that, so, so what do you attribute his success to? I mean, he had a good Mental. team, obviously, and then just mentally just completely zoned yeah. in. Yeah, just the ability to push through pain. That's all I can think of. Yeah. I mean, because it had to be, I mean, I don't know what it was like out there, but I can't even, you know, it had to be just painful every step of the way. Painful physically and mentally. I mean, that video, I mean, the movie, when you see how cold it is. Yeah. I just, I mean, you know, in the the little bit I've done, like up in Alaska on Denali and stuff like that, the, the cold is where I feel like the cold after, you know, two weeks of that, it's, I mean, it'll make you crazy. Exactly. It'll make me crazy. It wears you down. Obviously, that's why I'm not a professional. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It weeds you out pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I th- he obviously has a way greater mental ability to push through than the average person. Sure. You know, and I think mountaineers at that level have to have that yeah just you know? kind of a single-minded focus yeah it's just all on about a whole different level at, at all i mean it was really at all costs because i mean you know you saw that one point in the movie where you know he's like he's not seen well and he's off balance and you know you watch that and the first thing you think of is stroke he's gonna have a stroke up yeah. there you know and that's death oh yeah right and there. a stroke could happen even to the fittest person, when you get at that high altitude, your body starts exactly. doing crazy stuff. And there yeah. he was, you know, he had had a brain injury. Exactly. Yeah. So, Pretty I cool. Mean, to, he, he put it all on the line. Yeah. Good for him. It was a, a great movie. I loved it. I thought yeah. it was one that my wife loved it. I've told my parents to watch it. I don't know if they've, they've seen it yet. But I think even people who have no interest in mountain climbing yeah. would like that movie. Yeah. A lot of my friends from, you know, back east – have texted me after seeing it and say, I saw that movie, it was so good. And they don't have any interest in that stuff. So, exactly, yeah. Um, and I always tell them, did you see the gym part? Yeah. Sorry. That's what I <laughs> my claim for My claim to fame. Um, so a few more questions. Um, for people who live on the East Coast or you know live in some rural area who want to do the Alpine Training Center type training, but they only have access to a gold gym or even a garage gym. What would you, how would you su- suggest they go about kind of starting their own Alpine training center type program? You know, you really don't need that much. Yeah. You know, certainly like if you look at what we have versus like, if you went into the Colorado athletic club right now, mm-hmm. we have the same stuff. We don't have those big fancy machines, but we don't need those. No mirrors either. Uh Uh-uh. So you can just get rid of that. So that's the beauty of the garage gym. Yeah. Um, So you can do all this stuff on your own. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a ton of stuff. And, you know, I I do a lot of remote programming. um, And someone will come to me and say, you know, I just work out in my garage. And this is what I have. And then I build a program around that. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, it's, I mean, some of those things that I write, I'm like, I just laugh. And I'm like, sucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All you have is dumbbells? That's fine. Yeah. You yeah. know, I can come up with a lot of stuff in an hour that, you know, can, you, you can gain a lot. So it's not really about what you have or don't have. It's what you're willing to do to get there. Yeah. Are you willing to train in your garage? That's got to be the hardest place to train because you never go anywhere and it's always right there staring you in the face and you're like, oh my God, I can't go to the garage. And you're by yourself and you can, by yourself. You can uh, start negotiating with yourself pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, you got, I mean, the garage needs cleaning, the car needs cleaning, the lawn needs mowing. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that need to be done. Yeah. Um, when you're, it's, it's almost easier to go to Gold's yes. gym, you know, because then you're leaving that stuff behind. Mm-hmm. Is it the perfect environment? No, it's challenging. But what, you know, how bad do you want it? Yeah. So I think that's, people need to look at, you know, how motivated are they to do it on their own? I think that's the, that's the hard part is the mental part of making yourself do it because I know, and I, you know, I push myself pretty hard, but some of these workouts we do here, I would probably do 20% if I was by myself. Exactly. It's yeah. just too hard. Yeah. I, the other day I was in here and I was doing the sandbag get ups and, I hadn't I hadn't been here for a while, and so I was making all these excuses in my head. Well, I need to I need to start out a little slower. And <laughs> I, I, I was doing the sixty pound bag, and I'd gotten through a round, and Hunter walked by and said, "What are you doing? Why are you, go get the seventy pound?" I was like, well, that's exactly why I pay <laughs> yeah, money to be here because exactly. at home I would have stuck with the yeah. sixty, and I probably would have done half. Yep. You know, and so I think that's the key is just figuring out some accountability, I guess. Yeah. So you you do do remote. You you could be somebody could contact you and you can yep. do the programming for them remotely. Yeah. Um, if you could design, you know, for somebody who wants to do this or wants a taste of it, is there um, an hour long programming um, or, or routine you would recommend that would be only body weight? Like, you know, is, is there? Something you know, air squats followed by leg blasters followed by push-ups. I mean, is there is there? And we, what I can do is I can write it out on the website, so I'll, I'll have it listed out. But just kind of a sample of what you do here in an hour. You know, Grant, I I thought about that question, and I was like, you know, you can get all kinds of trickiness and creativity, and you know, come up with some great plan. But the reality is, it's like. We move for an hour. Mm-hmm. And when new people come in here, you know, I tell them their goal is not necessarily what's on that board. I don't need them to do everything that's written on that board. I need them to move for an hour. Mm-hmm. And then we build on that. And you'd be surprised how quickly you can build. Like if you have that set time, you start adding more and more to that hour. Mm-hmm. You know, last week I could only do this much of the programming. But this week, I could do, you know, I'm down in number two. I got to number two training oh, yeah. today. It's a great feeling. Thing. I know that feeling. Um, so a great one to try at home is to do as many reps as possible in an hour of squats, sit-ups, and push-ups. Yep. You'll be sore for a week. Oh, yeah. And you'll hate me. But you got an hour. You don't need anything. Maybe a mat. If you want a mat for your sit-ups, that's fine. But that's it. And you have to do it so that the reps are equal across. So if I do one squat, I have to do one sit-up, and i got to do one push-up. Got it. I can't do an hour of squats or an hour of sit-ups. Yep. And skip the push-ups. It's got to be straight across the board. I think we did something like that 
here similar to that a few weeks back, a few months back, was just a hundred of each. Yeah. And it destroyed me. It's rough. And it's body weight. Yeah. That's, I think that's a great, a great thing to tell people who make excuses that they don't have enough equipment or they don't have, you know, they need, they need to buy all this stuff. Yeah. You do that and you'll realize pretty quickly how, you know, you can, you can destroy yourself with that. Yeah. You don't need a lot. You just need, you need motivation. Um, one more kind of longer question, and then I've got some some kind of rapid fire questions we can go through. But are there any specific uh, coaching success stories that stand out in your mind? I mean, obviously the the one we were just talking about with Maru, but any any other ones? Any certain people that you have been extra proud of, or, or have made you you know really feel good about the work you're doing? You know, it's actually a lot, and you know, as the gym grows, there's more and more. Um, I think the one that stands out in my mind most is um, Sam Bass. He mm-hmm. used to live here. He was the editor of Skiing Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a father of two very active kids. They're into every single sport imaginable, and he wants to do everything with them, which is awesome. Um, and obviously works full-time. His wife works. you know, So it's a busy family. Um, and that's just the way it is. And there's not a lot of free time to do what he wants to do. But he's still, like, he's at that age where he's kind of seeing that the end is coming. But, you know, a lot of his buddies that aren't married, don't have kids, are still out there doing a lot of stuff. So he's kind of, like, in that middle. And he came to me and he said, Connie, I want to do the Grand Traverse. So that was that ski yep, mountain yep. racing we were talking about. And that's kind of how the, our schemo training began was with Sam. And he's like, but the reality is, um, he's like, I can maybe only ski one day a week. He's like, I got a full-time job. I can't just like go and be in the mountains all the time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my training is just going to have to be here at the gym. Mm-hmm. He's like, can you help me? I'm like, I can do the best I can. You know, I'm like, honestly, I've never sent an athlete to the, the Grand Traverse. You know, you and I are going to learn along the way what you really need mm-hmm. you know and it's going to be a learning experience for both of us yep you know not that i'm not going to give you 110 percent, but i need you to give me 110 percent with the understanding that you know you'll be strong for it but there might be some tweaks that you mm-hmm. know we make for the next year um and that's the exactly the way it played out he was here three days a week come hell or high water that like that he could commit to. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekends, um, you know, when time and opportunity allowed, he went out and skied and he did the best he could. And, you know, he went in, he said, you know, I wish I had skied way more. You know, that's just, you know, I just didn't do yeah. enough skiing. He's like, but I feel strong. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, I feel good. I feel like I'm going to be able to finish this. Um, and he did. And he did, you know, for a first timer, he did awesome. Mm-hmm. And if you looked at the amount of time he actually spent on his skis versus the amount you know he was going to do in that race, it was nothing. Sure. Um, but he came back, and, and he was just, I mean, the smile on his face was, you know, all the thanks I need because we, we did it. Yeah. You know, we spent three days a week in here, and we got him strong for that thing, for something that he should have been skiing three to four days a week for, mm-hmm. and he did maybe one. Yep. And, you know, I was... I was super proud of him and I knew I know how much you know he appreciated the work I put mm-hmm. into it 
and how well it actually worked. Oh, yeah. You know, it is really a true testament that this training <clears throat> that we do here relates to the mountain, and you can use it to prep for whatever mountain experience you want. And that probably laid the groundwork for all the future Grand Traverse training you do. Because exactly. it seems like, you know, in here from January through March, there's a huge group of people who... It's huge. I bet a lot of them may not have ever done the Grand Traverse on their own, but everybody here is doing it, so they want to get in on it. And um, Exactly. The next year, I had my grip biggest contingency going to the Grand Traverse. And it was all because of Sam. You that's know? great. Because he, you know, he could do it, he could train for it. And you're looking at, like, the average dad that works that can still go do something like mm-hmm. that without, you know, giving up his life and giving up his family. You know, still doing everything he wants, spend mm-hmm. time with the kids, but it's possible. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what everybody saw that, you know, it's possible. You don't have to ski 100 hours every week yep. to get that thing done. But, I mean, you got to put your time in, but it's got to be time well spent that, you know. Yeah, focused in. Yeah, and deliberate. Exactly. Um, so here are some kind of quick questions that I've been asking everybody, and I've gotten some pretty interesting answers. So you can answer them as quickly or as long as you'd like. But um, do you have any favorite books that you recommend to people? It can be about fitness or mountains or adventure or just any of your favorite books in general that, that you have enjoyed or gotten a lot out of. Right now, Training for the New Alpinism. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. It's good. It's got, I mean, By it's Steve a House. book. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a, there's a lot of reading in there. There's a lot of great science stuff, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of great stories in there, you know. Uh, Mark Twight wrote the foreword to that. Yep. And then it has some great stories, and other athletes have contributed stories and stuff. Um, but I think there's so much there that you can. I mean, I'm always going back to that. You know, seeing what it you is say like a textbook. This. It's a textbook. Yeah. And there's a lot. And I actually went to the seminar that uh, Steve House and Scott Johnston put on, and it was. I mean, there's even more than the the, the textbook, and there's so much good information that can be applied to so many athletes and Mm -hmm. not just an alpinist you know people look at that they're like well i'm not an alpinist you don't need to be no i think a football player basketball player i mean tennis player anybody could benefit from the things in there yeah there's Um, good stuff in there his book beyond the mountain just kind of his biography i guess i thought that was really good i wasn't expecting it to be good yeah um just because you know i didn't know if he was all that talented as a writer but yeah. that, that was one of the best books I, i've read yeah. he's a he's a hardcore guy he is i mean talk about focus <laughs> um obviously uh maru is a is a great documentary but are there any other ones that you've watched and enjoyed and would recommend for for other people you know probably not probably that i actually don't i don't watch a lot of movies or documentaries yeah. um i do a lot of reading sure um so that's where i spend my time but I do, you know, I've seen some of the, some climbing movies, um, and I think this is above and beyond anything that's been done before. Uh, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Um, that movie came out right about the same time the Hollywood Mount Everest movie came out. And yeah. I was thinking you couldn't have two, <laughs> two movies on the opposite end of the spectrum. Exactly. Um, so... If you had to name one specific location that's your favorite place in the West, whether a climbing area, a town, trail, lake, mountain, where would it be? Is there a, a certain place that you just absolutely love? Yosemite National Park. 
You know, I've never been there. Oh my gosh, you have to I've go. I've never been. It's crazy now, you know, and it, it's, it's challenging because my husband took me there um, when we first got together. He took me out there and we went climbing and then we went there on our honeymoon and we, um, he and I have done several trips there for it, mostly climbing. Um, but it's changed so much. It's, it's gotten, I mean, the park hasn't gotten big, but people go to the parks now and there's just more people. Yeah. And our intention was to go this summer and take our daughter and climb a half dome up the cables route. Mm-hmm. But there's so many people that go there now. You have to have a permit just to hike. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we didn't ridiculous. know about that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't know that we were going to, you know, you need a permit to hike and you need a special wilderness permit. And then we were going to need camping and stuff. Um, but I remember the the first several times. I mean, we went there every year for I don't know how many years. And we always there's always something new to mm-hmm. see there and to learn from. Um, and and to climb, obviously, there's a ton of climbing there. But the envi- it's just it's just a wonderful place, you yeah. know. And I really hope that I have the opportunity to take my daughter and that she gets to experience the the tranquility in the bigness of the valley. I mean, mm-hmm. you're just this little person with these big granite walls, you know. And when you're surrounded by a million people, you don't really get that. Yep. And I'm not sure she'll ever understand that. But it was where my husband learn to climb and he's done so much climbing there and you know he shared so much of him with me while we were there it's just i just love it yeah you know and any opportunity we get to go i go i'm like i'll suck up the crowds whatever i gotta do let's just go and you know sometimes we just i mean i've been there and just hiked mm-hmm. i've been there and, and climbed and we've been there with the intention of climbing and all we did was snake dike up half dome because it was so crowded and so hot and so buggy, you yeah, know, yeah. but there's always, you can always find something that that's special and it take away. Uh, speaking of documentaries, I saw one recently about um, kind of the history of the Valley there. Yeah. Uh, what was it called? Oh, there was that one that I did. Oh gosh. That was good. It's good because, like, I know all the players in the movie. Yeah, I can't. Um, I don't know why I can't remember the name of it. Valley Uprising. Yeah, yeah, Valley Uprising. I thought that was really, really well done. That was awesome. And And I didn't know. I mean, you you hear bits and pieces of that stuff if you're always reading about it, but I'd never seen it all lined up from start to finish, you know, starting with Chenard and all those guys and then ending up with the current, you know, like, unfortunately, Dean Potter. That was kind of his last. Yeah. uh, But but I thought that was I thought that was great. It is. That's a wonderful documentary. Um, so if you could make one request of people listening to this, uh, what would it be? You know, any particular cause you care about, um, you know, anything about fitness, just something that's, that's important to you that you think people should look into more? I think, um, preserve what we have outside. Um, you know, Living in Jackson, I watched it it grow, but not to the point where, like, you know, trails would start to deteriorate and, you know, climbing would start to deteriorate, that kind of thing. But in the last few years, just being in Boulder, part of it is, part of it's the weather here. You know, we had the flood. You know, that's changed a lot. Um, But I don't feel like people really respect what we have here. You know, we have trails that are constantly being eroded and worn down. And, you know, you go to Chautauqua now, it's like 
like these big highways because people can't stay on the trail. They won't stay on the trail, yeah. You know, and that's in, you know, the last five years. What's it going to look like in 10 years Mm -hmm. or 20 years, you know? When my daughter wants to go up there, she's going to be like, well, when I first moved here, there was this little trail, you know? And now it's like this super highway of things, you know? And it's it's hard to see, you know? I mean, things as simple as the trail that are just getting deteriorated because people don't, I'm not sure if it's not, they don't care or, you know, they can't be bothered, you know, they're walking in the mud, so they got to go around it. Well, don't go on the trail. Yeah. You know, that's kind of my feeling. That's my feeling, too. If you don't like to be muddy, you know, there's a road, there's, you know, dry paths, whatever. Um, And the climbing is starting to get in that way, too, you know, where it's like you see more and more trash at the base of the climbs, Mm -hmm. things left behind, and... Does it, it doesn't need to be that way. No. You know, Flagstaff these days, we go up bouldering. It's like a trash pit up there. Mm-hmm. And there's trash cans all around, you know. So I, I'd, it would be nice to see people preserve what they have and keep it. You know, the, the idea of leave no trace. Mm-hmm. You know, if everyone could embrace that, I think that would be awesome. I, I was talking about Ben Gilmore being my Knowles instructor. Another Knowles instructor I had that same semester was Brady Robinson, who's the executive director of the Access Fund, and I, I'm hoping to get him on here as well. But, you know, I think he's working pretty hard to, to address some of those issues. And yeah. so people should check out their website because they do important work. I mean, I think they do. the reality is there are too many people that live here, and I can't, exactly. I can't complain about it because I'm yep. one of them. Exactly. I came here from North Carolina. But, you know, this the, the environment here is not – it's fragile, and it's not meant for this many people. It's not. And um, – it kind of stands in stark contrast. The idea of the West is this idea of rugged individualism, and everybody can do what they want. But and I, you know, I have my land, and I'll do what I want. And I'll walk where I want. But the reality is that the only way this place is going to work is if everybody cooperates. Exactly. And so yeah. it's kind of changing. The, you got to change the whole culture of the of the thinking here. But that's tough. To it know. will happen because uh, there, as we got two million more people showing up here in the next twenty years. They're going to be some changes. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, so where can people learn more about you and the Alpine Training Center? So we have a website, mm-hmm. www.thealpinetrainingcenter.com. Yep. Um, and there's a lot of information on our Facebook page under the Alpine Training Center. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our um, our actual workout sessions are posted there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just pictures, videos, stuff. And then we also have an Instagram account under the Alpine Training Center. So it, there's three good places to kind of look in the window and see what it's about. And Great. If it's something that they want to dive into. All right. Well, thank you for doing this. You're welcome. So there you have it. Connie Shalino and the Alpine Training Center in Boulder, Colorado. It's a great place, and I feel like I've benefited a lot from going, and I think she's doing great work. And so I encourage you, if you're ever through Boulder, um, you should definitely stop by and get whipped. It's a great experience. Um, If you live in Boulder, you should come by full-time, and if you aren't going to be out here, uh, you should get in touch with Connie, and she can help you out with some training remotely. It's definitely been worth my time, and um, both mentally and physically. So thanks to Mountain Khakis. Thanks to Connie. I really appreciate everybody tuning in. Please continue to share the podcast on social media with your friends, and I will look forward to the next episode. Bye.